And welcome back, or welcome to the On Coaching Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, John Marcus. John, what's going on, my man? Steve, it's 2023. We're here to give the people what they want, and that is the best coaching education content for runners and running coaches out there, period. I said it. Man, you are setting us up, but I think that, you know... There's no argument for me, but I don't, I, I don't think there's any argument possible because, you know, honestly, and it's isn't just me saying this, you know how many emails I've gotten from people being like, I love the pod, but I just signed up for the scholar program and holy crap, there is so much information here. Yeah, no, I got people who will send me, you know, direct messages on our, you know, clubhouse server that's hosted on discord and they'll be like. I haven't even opened the website. There's a mountain of information just on the Discord server, just on the clubhouse. Like we're giving you, we're hitting you from both sides. Bang, bang. Watch out. That's right. We're just, we're just, you know, John and I, we just spent an hour talking about um, how to improve things. And we're just like, you know what? We're just going to, we're just trying to create the educational resources that we wish we had when we were young coaches. And, do the work to do so. So, you know, we've got a we've got a new course coming up that is going deep on Igloy, oh, the man yeah. who never wrote anything. <laughs> this is like the biggest Easter egg hunt, treasure hunt of coaching intel on the planet. <laughs> and you know, so I'm pretty nerdy out on like trying to find books, but John is like the master at at finding like obscure <laughs> books and writing written, you know, it's like, hey, I found this 19, you know, 61 article on original Lydiard, you know, written before blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, what? And, and it is, it's a short, you know, little thing. And let me tell you, Igloy is the hardest person in the world to find content on, but we have scoured the world, the internet, we've interviewed past Igloy athletes, you know, back in the day, I spent some time training in an Igloy style, you know, training system to understand it, and we're just putting it all together. Yeah, it's so brilliant, and you got to remember Igloy was influenced by Zatopek and then Vladimir Kuntz, who is then the uh, predecessor to Igloy and uh, Zatopek in world record and global dominance at the Olympics, was influenced by them. So it's just, it's an amazing thing to see kind of, you know, this, I call Igloy kind of like the middle road because he, he interpreted what Zatopek was doing, applied it very successfully to multiple, multiple athletes in multiple arenas in Hungary and in the U S and then Vladimir Kuntz looked at that and just took it to the next level. And you're just like, man, these guys knew what they were doing. And so it's awesome to finally get an interpretation. So we today can apply all these training ideas and concepts successfully to our practice, whether it's with high school athletes, college athletes, uh, everyday athletes, elite athletes, you name it. That's right. We got it. So if you want to get on that, guess what? Sign up for the scholar program. Yes, to quote quote Mike Smith, hey, you guys didn't have to go as hard as you do, but I'm glad you do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's just like, you guys don't have to go that hard. It's okay. I'm like, Mike, we go hard. That's what we do. We're nerds. (laughs) That's right. We we just, you know, we just nerd out on stuff. So join us. And, And speaking of nerding out, 
guess what? We're going to nerd out again today. We've got the art and science of speed endurance workouts. Mm. Ooh. Oof. All right. Well, let's dive into it, John. I'm going to give you the floor first to set the stage, and then we'll nerd out on this. All right. So here, I think let's start off with this. I'll define speed, and then you can define endurance. Because in our relationship, you are the more endurance-inclined guy, and I'm the more, quote-unquote, speed-inclined guy. How about that? So speed, my friends, is an illusion. There's no such thing as speed. There's only strength. We call speed pace and all these terms, but it, it kind of, you know, disorients us. It's actually strength. And we measure strength in velocity. We measure strength in pace. But the best way to think about speed, right, is if you run, say, 15 seconds for 100 meters, it's the same exact interpretation of the body as if, let's say, you bench press, you know, 100 pounds. So when we're doing and talking about speed, there is a contractile output. There is force production involved. However, running is also ballistic. So it's also what we call force transport, right? And this idea of the, you know, shortening or stretch elastic component or, you know, short stretching cycle. So all these things layer in, but you have to essentially have this coordinative capacity with speed or strength. So just, I'm going to say speed for the rest of the podcast. But just remember, it is synonymous with strength and strength inherently has a coordinative element, which is this. A lot of people talk about the muscle fiber and how strong the muscle fiber is or big or how, you know, contractile property or myofibril count. But fundamentally, weak muscles also have weak links to the brain, right? So they're not that, that kind of like brain um, nerve muscle connection is what we call coordination. And that's really, really, really important. So you can have a big muscle fiber, but if it's not innervated with enough, uh, you know, motor axons and nerves, then the signal and impulse from the brain or spinal cord doesn't translate as quickly or as efficient or as accurate. So a lot of times what we see in athletes, not only runners, but athletes in general, is certain muscle groups might be quote unquote weak because they don't have the coordinative capacity. So again, that's really important to keep in mind when we talk about speed, because in speed, there's a big coordinative component as well. And so that coordination to strength, they're, they're, they're wedded together. So you can't have good speed or strength without good coordination. Love it. I think that's a useful definition of speed. There you go. I'm going to go very simple on endurance. We're going to we're just going to keep it simple here. Endurance is extension. Mm. You're extending your ability to do something. <laughs> like that that that's it. And yeah. the re- the reason I like to, you know, classify endurance as that is often we think of endurance as like, oh, it's just slow, aerobic, all the cardiovascular, whatever have you. But all we're doing, and I borrowed this from Canova, is extending our ability at whatever, you know, intensity or speed or whatever it is that we're having. And the reason I like that kind of thing is because it tells you that the endurance for, you know, a marathon is slightly different if than the endurance for playing basketball or yeah. what have you. Like, they both require some sort of endurance, but it's a different style of ex- or type of extension. And in track language... 
we could look at it as extending our ability to last, let's say, in the marathon, are extending our ability to last before we hit uh, glycogen depletion or going down, right? So keeping our glycogen stores high at whatever marathon pace. Um, or we could look at it from, you know, a uh, uh, kind of more middle distances. Well, what is the endurance? Well, in the 800, maybe it's extension of the pace you can hold before, you know, byproducts or fatiguing byproducts kind of overwhelm the system and cause your muscles to stop firing well. So it's just about extension at a given intensity or speed or whatever you want to call it. Cosine, 100% on board with that. That's a very clear way to think about it. And even too, like going to the 100 meter example, it's like, one thing in terms of acidosis tolerance training could be viewed as acidosis endurance or extension training, right? So it's like, how long can you extend or endure all these metabolic byproducts in your system without a slowdown or a really aggressive rate of slowdown? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, and this is where I think it, you know, it gets away of this kind of dichotomy of where we tend to categorize things into like fast slow yeah right it's like oh throw it all in this 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 bucket and this actually gets to something that you know maybe this is top of my mind but on um something that we explore in depth on the igloy course is well igloy created endurance extension through a lot of very short interval sessions right and and they weren't you know super slow Right. He's creating extension through relatively fast, you know, running, but it's so dang short that that fatigue isn't building up. So you can create that extension off of that. Well, someone else, maybe in a modern context, instead of doing whatever, 20 by 100 goes out and runs a three mile tempo run. And guess what? The extension ability relatively is just the same you know if we modulate it correctly so i think that's why it's like framing this instead of the fast slow die you know it's like are we extending our ability to last or are we improving the intensity speed strength or whatever have you yeah that's a great way to think about like what are we extending right that is that's the question when you say endurance of something what are we extending and so you know to piggyback on that with igloy Again, Igloy being influenced by Emil Zapek. Here is the quote I basically hang my hat for my whole coaching practice and orientation on from Emil Zapek. Here it is. You must be fast enough. You must have endurance. So you run fast for speed and repeat it many times for endurance. End quote. That's it. (laughs) Yes. Brilliant. (laughs) So, you know, when we think about it in that terms, it comes very clear, like, All right, so we are extending speed, or if we use the definition of strength, we're extending strength. So when we talk about speed endurance, it's exactly that. What speed or pace are we trying to extend? And then that opens up, again, a clear orientation to start our journey of now there's a lot of different roads we can take to make that happen. And that's what this podcast is really about. All the different roads to Rome of speed endurance. All right. Well, let's let's dive in. Where do you think we should start? Oh, let's start. Uh, I don't know. Why don't we go middle distance up? Okay. Okay. From the bottom up. Bottom like up. We'll, we'll go. We'll go. Start with the long sprint, the eight hundred, the true middle distances, mile to five k, and then the the more endurance ones. 
Great. Okay, so I'll give you some insight on how I looked at this uh, from a speed endurance standpoint. Is to me, it's it's you know when we talk about speed endurance, we often get it wrong in the sense that we have to lay the foundation before you can endure something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's have you developed your pure speed abilities or your speed and bur- abilities before you think about extension. Mm-hmm. So where I think we often go wrong is we think, oh, middle distance is about speed endurance. And then you do a lot of, I don't know, fast 200s or 250s or 300s or what have you, and really put them in this kind of very anaerobic state. And that's suboptimal unless we've laid that foundation with very short speed and acceleration work. So to me, speed endurance can't really start until we've started, we've done you know, some variation of hill sprint, short hill sprint, some 60 meter excels, some whatever have you. And then the way I like to look at it is this, as I look at it, speed endurance, I'm going from that pure speed to extending that ability to then eventually working at extending my ability that is closer to race pace. So a lot of times coaches you know, endurance coaches, distance running coaches, we think speed endurance and we jump straight to that, well, a little bit faster than race pace and, you know, really get them deeply anaerobic. But really it begins for me as, you know, if I start with 50, 60 meters excels or, or sprints, 80 meter sprints are now speed endurance. 100 meter sprints, 110, 120 130, whatever have you, is those are not just pure sprints because the last part of it, by definition, I am kind of hanging on, right? If you if you look at a 100-meter race, right, you excel to 50, 60, maybe 70 meters, and then you're gradually decelerating or hanging on. It's even more true for distance runners who don't have the ability to reach like top speed as late. And, and and tend to hang on earlier. So when I look at speed endurance initially, I'm I'm looking at um you know something similar maybe to give listeners some context similar to uh uh Gareth um this idea of of speed reserve where we're looking at okay the difference between that very short and then you know a little bit longer right. 200, 400 effort, whatever we want to call it. And I'm working on that first and building that foundation before I go into what I'd call my more traditional, like middle distance speed endurance work. Mm, I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I take actually a much more mathematical approach, um, heavily influenced by Canova, of course, as well as Igloy and even... Um, Peter Coe and Frank Horwell's concept of this. So, and I'm, I'm, we're living it right now with like Daniel Herrera, right? So he's coming back after a layoff, having fun, wanting to run 800s. And so he's like, I'm like, how fast do you want to run? And he's like, well, I want to try to go after like the, you know, you know, Mexican indoor record in the eight, which is like 147 high. So after a year layoff, we're like, okay, great. We need you to get your speed capacity or power maxima or your we need to raise your ceiling essentially we need to be have that ceiling be pretty high so in order to do that we identified you need to run 11 flat 
plus or minus a couple tenths of a second multiple times for a hundred with lots of rest, right? So just working on what Steve calls pure speed. So we have to raise the percentage of his capacity for his body to actually coordinate and actually do this because what the 800 is, it's a speed endurance exercise, but you're only operating at a certain percent of your max capacity or your speed reserve, as uh, Garrett Spathford calls it. So if we're targeting, let's say, 145, right, for 800, that's 26.25 for 200 meters, 13 point, you know, whatever for 100. So if he can run, which he has now, multiple hundreds on the fly, 10 meter drop-ins or fly-ins, at, at, at anywhere between like 10.7 to 11.1, and it's pretty stable, and he's done that for weeks in and weeks out, he's now developed a high enough ceiling that now 26.25 for 200 or 13 point for 100, that's about 83 to 85% of his capacity, of his max, of his pure speed. That's reasonable. You can do something for a minute and 45 seconds and endure that, extend that, if it's 85% of or 80% range of your max. Where we get a lot wrong, right, within, especially like say, in my opinion, the 800, is we try to ask someone to endure at a higher percentage of their max capacity for that speed rather than raise the ceiling. So we try to essentially kind of lift the floor. So we're asking someone to go 90% of their maximum for two laps or 95% of their speed maximum for two laps. And it's like, no, 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 we don't necessarily in the 800 need to lift the floor as much as we need to raise the ceiling. So to me, it's a raise the ceiling orientation first. And then we work on the back end. The next component is in the metabolic ability to raise that floor so metabolically, you can endure that 80%, 85% of your max for a minute and a half or a minute and 45 seconds. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it it, it kind of gets back to, again, it's like you can't endure something or the gap. Like it's yeah. it's it's the gap, you know. It's, it's how it's, big is the gap? How big is the gap? Yeah, You're right. If the gap is big enough, you can you can then in, a, a, add some speed endurance. If the gap isn't there, then no amount of speed endurance training is going to help. Right. Yeah. And that and that's if we go back to strength and we think about pretty simple, like let's just use bench press, like essentially the speed capacity work. I'm saying, all right, Dan, we're just going to try to get your bench press to as heavy as possible in this training cycle. That is the foundational training cycle. Let's just build your bench up. Great. You can now lift 450 pounds, three sets of five on your bench it's doable. So now we're going to go to an endurance competition where we're going to see how long you can lift 200 pounds in bench before you, you crap out, which is essentially what is a, a track event, right? Because there's no timeouts in track in on the track, right? Everyone else gets a timeout in the field. You get attempts, you get timeouts, you calibrate, none in the track. So we're going to go until you break, essentially, is the concept. Well, I you know, would think, as you would see, like, you have a pretty good endurance capacity for 200 meter bench press, and you're going to be able to go pretty long if you've regularly trained and set the uh, raised the ceiling to be have yeah, done four or three sets of 450 pounds multiple times in my preparatory or foundational period before I started, you know, going in to do this. So again, we when we take that orientation, that speed is strength, and they're the synonymous, it makes the the whole proposition a lot clearer in my mind.
Yeah, no, I, I, uh, again, I kind of like that is that it's, it's kind of puts the foundation of what are we trying to accomplish, you know, and like getting clarity on that. And I think, again, we also often backfire. So maybe to give some, some ideas around this is if in the reason I say this is, is maybe for distance runners, here's the way to think about it is you wouldn't try to add intensity or speed work or what have you if you hadn't built the foundation to do so, if you hadn't built the base. Any high school coach will tell you, like, you know, if you have a kid who doesn't run over the summer and then you add a bunch of intensity on top, like, the kid, it, it just doesn't work out as well as it should, right? It's like, oh, crap. Yeah, we just tried to add icing to the cake without the cake actually having time to any ingredients to bake or whatever have you. It's the same on the opposite end of the the spectrum is we can't jump to the speed endurance. I mean, you can, but it probably won't work out well. You can't uh, jump to the speed endurance before you've created that gap is essentially what we're saying. Just like you can't jump to the quote unquote speed work before you built some sort of like quote unquote base, however you wanted want to do that or define that it's the same kind of idea or analogy and i think we often kind of get it back backwards why do we get it backwards on this because most of our periodization in running is going from like easy to fast right so we go from like endurance like easy running to threshold running to whatever 5k 10k to fast stuff to like super fast stuff to peak well if we haven't laid that foundation at the at the opposite end, that's pure speed and extending that a little bit to create that gap, we're in for a big, we're, you know, we're in for trouble. Yeah, I think, you know, to piggyback on that, because that's yeah, really illuminating, Stephen, useful is it's about what you, what are you chasing and when are you chasing it, right? So when a lot of times we chase pace all the time, we always want to push the ceiling. How fast can you go? How fast can you go? When reality, there's a time and a place to chase the pace, and then there's a time and a place to chase extension or chase what I call adaptation. And so when we are chasing the pace, like say in the capacity period or foundational period, and we're trying put as much weight on the barbell as possible, try to run these as fast as possible, that's all that matters to get as much rest in between. We're just chasing that raising of the ceiling, the pace. Then it stops. Then it stops. Hard stop. Then we maintain that ceiling, we maintain that pace, we maintain that speed capacity. We don't chase it anymore. Now we chase extension. Now we chase adaptation to 85% or 80% of that capacity. And this is where I think we get wrong because we're always trying to, sometimes I feel like, you know, coaches are always trying to chase multiple rabbits all the time. And it's that old, you know, um, uh, fable from Aesop is like, if you chase, you know, two rabbits or more, you catch none. So you got to chase only one thing at one time, but then know how they essentially like um, translate into each other. And that's why we chase raising the ceiling first before in a hundred meter world, we chase then raising or extending the um, percentage of that ceiling we're working at. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what it's all about. Right. Which kind of goes so, with your concept of you're all you're always it's either you're either building or maintaining you're never deleting but that's the thing we translate from what we're building into a maintenance mode. 
Yeah, it's build, maintain, or, ma or maintain. Yeah, build or maintain. If you're not doing that, you're in trouble. And I think that's where we often kind of get wrong on this stuff. So maybe now let's go into a couple of uh, examples of workouts of for the middle distance before we move on to that kind of the whatever, maybe 5K, 10K mile whatever athlete we want to use for that so what are john i'm curious what are your key let's go early and then you know late or competition phase of what would your speed endurance sessions look like so early on like the speed endurance session like 800 meter would be 120 meter reps otm on the minute so what you do is you just run 120 meters um very very fast you know, and just say, try not to have a decay in the pace you're running that 120 meters. This would be in the, you know, preparatory foundation, early training cycle. And it's all on the minute. So a good example would be two sets of four times 120 meters at faster than 800 meter race pace effort. Here we're studying the effort. So it might be more like four meter race pace effort on the minute. So it's basically back and forth on the track, right? So it's like 120 meters, 45 seconds, turn around. 120 meters fast, 45 seconds, turn around back and forth. I like 120s because it, um, you know, and if athletes are running slower than say, if 120 meters takes longer than 20 seconds, then I'll do like hundred meters, but we want around 15 seconds plus or minus for that type of work in my mind for a middle distance type athlete. That's early on. Then it switches. Then we go to studying the pace. So an example of that for like say 800 meters would be um, say three sets of three times 300 meters at target race pace for the 800 on the two minute. So you, so let's say you're running two flat, you're trying to target a kid and get them to two flat for 800. So it's three sets of 300 meters at 45 seconds with 75 seconds rest on the two minute. Then and you take like six to 10 minutes rest in between the sets. So lots and lots and lots. So the great thing about this is the work to rest ratio is one to one and a half. What happens physiologically with that is you do have a high degree of, you know, glycolytic impact that starts to happen, but the rest is just long enough for lactate clearance and for metabolic clearance and acidosis clearance to happen just long enough too for actually your creatine phosphate stores to elevate quickly because they elevate within about 50% um, capacity with one minute of rest. So here we're giving almost two minutes. So that gives you almost something like 70% restoration in your CP stores. So again, you just give yourself a little bit of a buffer, but you practice the pace. And as you go through, that lactate globally does start to accumulate. So the last you know set is really the work set where the training adaptation happens. It's tough, but it's doable. And then if I'm there are tracks I had coaching, and I see they start to fatigue or start to slow and decay on the pace during the rep. Like, let's say rep two of the last set was 47, not 45. We will extend recovery by 30 more seconds before the final rep. Because what matters is they hit that pace come hell or high water in that time in the, in the season. And then, you know, very simply... The 800 meter racing 800 meter is the speed endurance activity during the season. So, I mean, uh, you don't, you, if you have long periods between them, sure, you can do that. But 
uh, do a workout. But otherwise, most 800 meter runners need to race the 800 pretty frequently because most 800 meter runners will go to a championship where they have to race the 800 in multiple days and multiple rounds. And so that frequency and stimulus of racing and learning tactics and all that stuff, that's probably the most specific workout you can do. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's underrated because unlike distance runners where often we think, oh, we should minimize racing or do the the old Jerry Schumacher of like, you know, half only race when you're ready is 800 guys and gals like they've got to race. They've got to, you know, there's these old East German texts, I forget exactly where you know where it is but i remember reading these where it's like how many races do you need before you get to peak shape you know and it's like the 5k it's like two you know three whatever it is and then the 800 it's like six to eight and you're just like (laughs) okay like and and there's some truth to that again uh in that it takes time to kind of get used to that that shock of the 800 and that actually become some of your training effect and sometimes early on and especially with college and high school runners this is why I like combining racing the 800 with maybe a four by four afterwards because you get some heightened training effect both on speed and speed endurance um that can kind of help uh be that stimulus and it's My, also it's i'm just going to interject yeah. in one thing it's it's the tactics are important too because you're going so fast and we're all in bunched yeah. up in lane one it's kind of also like the 400 indoors that's a really crazy event because like everyone goes to lane one in the 400 indoors but you're flying so like to calibrate all those adjustments to these bodies around you and everyone will hit you know have the bear jump on their back right that acidosis bear and start to accelerate or decelerate rapidly at different times that takes time to calibrate and you only can do that in the crucible of racing. Yes, very true. It takes, especially indoors, you gotta, you gotta race to get, understand this stuff. You know, my, my my kind of progression is similar is I like starting at, at a hundred one twenties, whatever, something really short, less than 150 meters to kind of get that um, speed endurance started with relatively short rest. What I like to do is again, kind of be mathematical like Nova, like yourself in the sense that I like relatively short rest between reps and then to bring them back out with long rest or sometimes borrowing from Miglui, like I just call it stuff in between. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Steve Magnus technical term. Stuff. stuff. (laughs) And it's, it's in science of running as well, but it's my, it's, it's the, it's, what is it? It's just stuff, right? You're doing something, you know, maybe you're running, you're copying from Igloy and you're doing some, some hundreds in like 17 seconds or 16 seconds in between. And it's like, well, that's not very fast. Steven's like, yeah, that's the point. It's just stuff to do. (laughs) Right. And, and, and there's some clearance effect. Another one I like to do with my athletes every once in a while is I'd be like, all right, you've got, I want you, you know, maybe we run some one twenties, like really dang fast. And then I'm like, okay, I want you to run uh, a K, but I want you to start, like jogging and then by the end of the K, like the last 200 be it at tempo pace. Right. And they're just like, you know, what is that? It's just stuff. It's like, (laughs) it's not, I'm not trying to add stimulus, but it's something for them to do that often, you know, 
we get it. They start off jogging. They're really tired from the 120s. It sucks. But by the end, they're running a little faster again. Tempo threshold, not really fast, but they start to feel better. And then you get to come back with, okay, let's do some other like really fast stuff. Yeah. Right. And it's a way to get some quality in there. And I think get more quality in there um, and make them feel like, you know, psychologically they're getting a, a, a longer workout than it actually is um, because there's stuff thrown in between sets. Damn. So that's, that's super sneaky. Damn. Yeah. Th- this is, this is, the, this is the kind of crazy sneaky crap Steve. I do. Sneaky Steve. This is the sneaky Steve. The other thing to do is we're just going to give away all the secrets. If you want more rest with athletes, but you don't want them to realize it, just start talking. <laughs> yeah. This is what I, I'll, you know, I'll pull aside. I'm giving away all the secrets now that I'm out of the college, but I'll just pull aside a kid and be like, yeah, how do you feel about that? And you just start the conversation and then you just go on this diatribe where you're like, I get that, but like maybe this time think about this or relax this. And you're just talking, right? And it seems like you're coaching, but you're not really coaching. You're just milking some extra recovery so that like they get, you know, five minutes instead of three minutes or whatever, and they don't realize it. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's get on the line and go. And they feel better and they're able to run faster than if they didn't. So you do stuff like that to, again, not exactly, you know, be sneaky, but a little bit like that to make sure you're getting the quality and the speed endurance stuff. Because the quality, as you said, the quality is what it's all about. And, and to me, you know, where we often get this stuff wrong is... For instance, I'll give you this. If you go to a sprint coach and you say speed endurance and they're doing 400 work, what they would do, and this is actually, what did Michael Johnson's coach um, at, at Baylor, Clyde Hart, do? He was famous for doing 350s, right? Is his speed endurance, at like speed endurance for 400, like really big fast. And people started doing 350s and you're like, well, why are you doing 350s? And he's like, well, for Michael Johnson... 350 was right when he started to break down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's like 40 like, seconds, 40 seconds of hard. Yeah, yes. It's yeah. like for other people, it's like 300 meters, you know? <laughs> and it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, 350 break yeah. down and then long, 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 long rest, do it again. Right. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, for us as, as coaches, we often push distance coaches. We often push beyond the point of breakdown because we're like, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever. We're running 400s, just survive it, get through it, even if you fall apart a little bit. With the speed endurance stuff, I like to pay attention to that. Where's that breakdown point? And am I at it? And so getting back to it, when we look at, okay, if we start at 120s, then we just, we work on keeping that intensity, extending it. And I use that breakdown point as kind of the guide. So if they're breaking down on 200s and I'll be like, oh, we're going to do 160 or some random junk before. So I keep that quality. And this is also why, you know, in the intense period, if we're not racing, I like to use kind of cut downs where maybe we go for like 300, then 260 or 240. And this is the old Seb Co, Peter Co, yep. right? What was one of their speed endurance? 200, 190, 180, 170, <laughs> 160, like it's like 10 meters off every yep. time. And actually that was a, you know, a quick side story is, you know, I remember in my, um, 
post collegiate world, I was I was training a little bit and got the chance to talk to Joe V Hill and he was great and went to see him talk and then we went and got a got some dinner afterwards and just talked for hours. And he was, you know, he didn't know who I was. He was just, but he was super curious and was like, oh, you run, this is the workout you need to do for a mile. And he told me after, you know, explaining, I was explaining the workouts I was doing and the training is like, all good at this, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, Steve, you just need to do this, like do it once a week for like, you know, four weeks straight and you're going to be ready to roll. And what was it? It was the, the Peter Coe 200. What you know, one ninety four eighty, and I'm like, like okay, and uh, great workout, and it, workout. And it works, it works yeah. great. So yeah. it's the same kind of idea. And well, why does that cutting down? Because it allows you to maintain or increase the intensity. Well, you know, not breaking down. And actually, Igloy, I'll give you the other example. If you look at Shul's training, is he quotes he's like. Every once in a while, what would we do at the end of all these intervals, at the end of this workouts, you know, we'd get lots of rest, you know, and then we do six by 100 all out. <laughs> and that was their speed endurance for that. And it was just like, and he, he had this quote where he said, what did it mean? It meant every step you were pushing as, as hard or as much as you could. Mm. And it was 600s. Love it. Love it. Yeah. A couple of things remind me. Yeah. That, that 10 meter cut down type session, 200 down to, I've done 200 <laughs> down to 60 and 200 down to 80. Like I did that with Michaela Fricker very frequently who was able to like run 201 pre super shoe era for about seven, eight week period in 2016. Really stable, really stable. Right. Um, I've also done the up and down the ladder. So like start at hundred, go up 10 or 20 meters up to 200 and then come back down, which that's more, that would be more something I do like say with miler types. Like when Herrera was more training for the mile, that would be actually a frequent speed workout he would do where it's like you go up and down the ladder where again, you're trying to maintain that pace, but essentially all that sneaky stuff you're talking about um, is about clearance, right? It's about aerobic flush or clearance. Um, you know, something that, um, the um john cook would do is he would include like some medicine ball slams or something as stuff in between because again what steve's targeting when he's talking about that is manipulating some type of aerobic clearance in the tissues to kind of freshen up the athletes or when steve was talking about the hundreds and if you're a big igloy fan and if you're part of the scholar program like, I'm so excited that Steve's going to drop this course and that, you know, he got motivated to do it. And I'm excited to, you know, give my two cents and add to it because it's really impactful because it is the essentially what we've talked about before flux training. That is the heart and soul of where it came from was that kind of era of guys and practitioners, Igloy, Zadapek and Kunz, small plug here. But uh, <laughs> what we're looking at, right, is in order to get that flush, then allows that mitochondrial respiration, if you want to be a super science nerd about it, to kind of gobble up all those metabolites that's going through the system so you can sustain that effort over the long haul of that workout. And that's why like the fresh run that Steve referenced that Shul will do at 17 or 18 or 100 meter was exactly designed to be that an aerobic or mitochondrial type respiratory flush so that they could actually extend how long they could work within the session. Because you know sometimes 
when you do a speed endurance workout, if it's corrosive enough, if it's acidosed enough, the session's done, like done, done. Like no matter how much recovery you give the athlete, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, they're fried. And so we never want to fry the athlete and overcook them. It's such a hard and fine balance in line to um, navigate. Like I have a lot of conversations with scholars about this, um, whether on the phone or in private, you know, exchanges or even in the clubhouse about managing this acidosis um, tolerance versus this acidosis tipping point. And we want to stay away from the tipping point because acidosis is like alcohol. It's always a poison to the body. It's never beneficial. You can tolerate a certain degree, but just because you can tolerate it doesn't mean you want to make that a regular staple of your diet. Yes, it, that's a good point. Just because you tolerate, <laughs> you can tolerate doesn't mean that you you should or uh, should right. do it. It's uh, it's uh, it's like drinking alcohol. Just because you think you can do it, you know, doesn't mean yeah. you should all the time. Right. It, it, okay, so <laughs> let's 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 look at okay. Let's look at how does and maybe I'll frame this as a question for you, John. Is okay. We've talked a lot about middle distance. How does your view of speed endurance change as we move into the longer track races? Yeah, that's a good question. So that's a tricky one because it's a transitionary concept, so to speak, of speed endurance, where it's like, as when we talk about middle distance, it's more speed heavy, the emphasis, right? Now in middle distance and track, when I'm talking middle distance, or I mean now in you know, distance events and what I'm talking about is the mile up to 5k, it's balanced. It's a balanced approach because you need to have, you need to work at a very, very, very high percentage of your max capacity. And you can call this VO2 max percentage if you want percentage, you know, velocity of percentage of VO2 max. So here, this is an athlete who needs to be really, really efficient. So we need to raise both concurrently their, their, their ceiling, their speed, as well as their floor, right? Their endurance. That's tough. <laughs> Just to be frank, as you know, Steve, it's tough because every athlete in that endurance world has a different sensitivity and a different um, uh, area that they are more inclined towards and stronger towards. And then a bigger, and then you know the opposite's true too. Then they have a bigger weakness or deficit. So you have to kind of balance, how do I basically elevate both their deficit and their area of strength concurrently. And that, you know, that goes to, back to Bonner Chuck's concept of athlete profiling or athlete types that we talk about in the sports form development uh, in the scholar clubhouse, where it's like, you have to know how that person responds to that type of stimuli. And I've talked about this before, that sensitivity type. So are they a type one responder or a type two? And a type one responder, right, is someone where it, it doesn't really um, uh, ruffle their feathers too much. It's not like too exhausting, right? It's not too like deflating a type two response is a, a big deflation. It's like, it sets them back. And so as you're managing speed endurance for that, um, endurance athlete on the track or long, longer distance athlete on the track, you have to concurrently keep in their mind, like where are they type one or where are they type two high sensitivity, low sensitivity. And then that predicates how often you can do a certain type of workload. Uh, in that area, whether it's their deficit or their strength. Mm, I like, I like that. I like that. Cause it does come down to the, the way I like to 
frame this, and I think I've mentioned this analogy, is it's like the kink in the pipe. Yeah. Right. Or the fork it's, in the road. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> where, where is that? And it will change based on the athletes. And I think this is the key for the speed endurance. And so, you know, here's how I like to think of it is if I'm stuck in running, I don't know, the 5K in 15, 1537, we'll use five minute pace to keep the math easy. If I'm stuck there, right? Is it because I don't have the gap between my 5K and 3K or my 3K a mile or my mile yep. and 800 or 800? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a whole chain below. Right. Or is it because like I don't have the endurance, the extension to be able to, let's say my, you know, I can run a mile in, I don't know, 4.15, but I fall apart running five-minute pace. So that tells me that there's an extension ability on that endurance, right? It's not the speed quote unquote gap. Yeah. It's the, the endurance and the extension. So I need to figure out where the kink and the pipe is on the extension. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think that individualization really matters in understanding, you know, what, well, where is that kink in the pipe and what kind of athlete do I have, which determines, you know, whether I focus on speed, endurance or speed endurance, like the combination mixture of both. Right. And it's also, it's a, and so that's where the athlete's history comes into play. So if they're moving up from middle distance up to like, you know, moving up from eight, being an eight mile type or four, eight type and moving into a three K five K like say a Hisham El Garouge, that then would mean, okay, it's an extension focus because it's not the speed gap focus. Right. Versus if they're coming down from they've been doing marathon training or, you know, they've been like half marathon 10K. And then, you know, like let's say some of the master's athletes I've been working with who I'm like, well, we need to get you faster. So for the next six months, let's not do marathons or half marathons. Let's actually do 5Ks. Now that's speed gap or, you know, speed capacity or ceiling question where now you got to focus in that way. So that's really tough because it's so individualized. You can't say with specifics, this is exactly how you train for this event. Like you could with mill distance, mill distance, pretty cut and dry. Cause it's a long sprint. This, the individualization, individualization and nuance is really important because we essentially are in the middle. <laughs> Cause like, you know, as we'll get to like training for 10 gain up, that's pretty cut and dry training for 800 and down pretty cut and dry. It's this middle area, which is like, that's why you see so many examples in training of success being had with either orientation and approach, more of a quote unquote volume approach or more, more of a speed-based approach because they both work and they work for that person. Yeah, exactly. And this is, you know, to get at the kind of the crux of it. And I wrote about this a long time ago in science of running. It's like, this determines whether you want to take like the bottom up approach or the top down approach to like, right. so to simplify, let's say, Again, I'll keep it simple. 5K, well, I need this athlete, I think, to run four by mile at five minute pace and then he'll run 15 minutes, whatever, it, or 15.37, whatever it is. Okay, so four by mile, five minute pace. Well, do you get there by going, you know, well, we're going to run 400s at 75 and then 600s at whatever that is, 140 or 152, then 800s at 230, and just like you're going from the bottom and extending, extending, or do you go from the kind of top down, and I'm simplifying this, but go from, 
you know what? I'm going to run miles in 520, then 515, then 510, then 505 and five flat. And most of us use some sort of mixture or blend of, of both cases. Yeah. But this is, this is the coaching training, like understanding, because like what you're doing is either focusing on, <laughs> on in the simplified version, oh, I have the, the speed, I need to extend it. Mm-hmm. Or you're saying like, I have the endurance, I need to add, like, I need to quant- qualify it or intensify it over, over time in which way you go depends on the athlete sitting in front of you. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. simple as that. Here, I'll use an example of, you know, we'll just take two of those archetypes we presented kind of someone who needs a, you know, bottom much bottom up approach who's coming from the endurance side or someone who needs a top down approach and needs extension coming from the speed side. Let's just use the same workout, repeat thousands. So for someone who is coming from, you know, that bottom up approach or from the, uh, the endurance side, we need to improve their speed capacity. So we need to say, okay, we need to work on that ceiling and raising that ceiling, as I call it. So here's how we're going to do K's for that athlete. We're going to use Vin Lanana's um, 1K breakdown way. So we're going to do a K at uh, race pace, take 400 meter jog. Then we're going to do 500, 300, 200, 1K breakdown, getting progressively faster. So 500 at say 3K, 300 at mile pace, 200 at 800 pace. Recovery is the, the distance of the next rep. Now we'll go back and do another K at 5K pace. And now we'll come back and do another 5K breakdown or maybe two sets of 5K breakdowns. And we'll finish with their strength, which is another K at 5K pace. Great. So that's how we're going to approach that for that athlete. So now say taking an athlete like a, you know, Keyshawn Algarouge type or someone who's moving up in distance, well, we're still going to use the K workout. So what are we going to do with them? All right. Here's what we're going to do with Ks. What we're going to do is we're going to do K repeats at the same speed, and it's going to be, say, maybe um, a little bit slower than 5K goal pace, but a little bit faster than 3K goal pace. And now, because they're limited by extensive ability, what we're going to do is we're going to um, periodize the rest interval in between the Ks. So we're going to run the same pace. Let's just say for sake of argument, we're running three flat, you know, 15 flat pace between the rep one and rep two, we're going to run, do it on 60 seconds rest rep two and rep three, 90 seconds rest rep three and rep four, two minutes rep rep four and rep five, you know, so another 30 seconds to the rest. Right. And this is very much like say what you saw with Rasco or would see in Rasco's training with Alan Webb or with you, Steve, right. He would periodize the rest, keep the pace, but periodize the rest to allow for more stuff or clearance to happen so that athlete who had that deficit in extension could, ex- you know, practice extension of that pace and that workout without quote unquote blowing up. Yeah, I love that. I mean, again, it's like utilizing the variables to change the stimulus of the workout for the athlete <laughs> sitting in front of you. Exactly. And understanding like, okay, this is how we're going to approach this. It really is. It's, you know, if I could sum up, it's like, problem solving. It really is. Yeah. Right. And and this is, this is, I think the why we're having this discussion on speed endurance is we often think speed endurance. And then we're like, Oh, for instance, if you come from USATF, well, is that speed endurance one or speed endurance two? Or and special, then they give you special speed endurance. <laughs> they give you a couple workouts for that. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, it's not, not the workouts. It's look at the words. 
and then look at how we're going to like create that that adaptation for us mm-hmm. and that is going to vary based on the athlete in front of us the event they're training for and the style of you know training that they need to adapt to and we have all these as you said at the beginning we have all these tools where we can say okay let's try this or let's try that let's you know try this approach and and see what really kind of creates the the desired effect that you're going after yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, let's yeah wrap up with kind of the, you know, long endurance or heavy endurance side, like say 10 K and up Steve, how would you kind of, you know, ballpark that, that type of work on speed endurance work for that, you know, long duration athlete. Yeah. So here it, it kind of depends and I'm going to throw a wrench into this. I like for the long endurance athlete, you know, at the beginning I said to build that foundation, I like to do that on hills, not only with pure, you know, short hill sprints, but getting a little bit longer because what I think of it is, is non, non-specific extension of that intensity because it's like different muscle fiber recruitment, all that stuff. And then if we look at speed endurance for the, um, the longer stuff, what I tend to look at it is, um, you know, and I taught, learned this from Canova is he says for the marathon, you look, essentially, you look down one step at like your half marathon lactate threshold and you see where is that quality in relation to your marathon speed. And that gives you the idea. And he put it as you want your peak half marathon, that speed endurance not to be peak at marathon day, because if you are, you're too sharp. You want that that peak half marathon kind of stuff to be you know, six weeks out or whatever have you, eight weeks out, something like that, because then you've got that gap in that speed and then you just work on the extension. And by working on the extension, then you allow yourself to get really efficient at burning fats as fuels instead of carbs, et cetera. And like you almost dull the blade a little bit intentionally (laughs) because the blade then becomes more efficient at cutting over time Versus just like one-off sharpness, if that analogy makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll add like, you know, my two go-tos, like I'll give the 10K version and kind of the marathon version. So the marathon version is essentially this kind of like, uh, you know, uh, 20, 20, 20, 20 drill. So it's like a 20-minute progression run, but it, it looks it's a sneaky way of doing it. So it's like you start off first 20 minutes at marathon pace or effort, then next 20 minutes, half marathon. And then, you know, third 20 minutes was, you know, coming up to an hour is going to be at 15 K pace. Then you back off and finish the darn thing up at um, marathon effort, or maybe a little bit slower than marathon effort, a little faster than half marathon effort. So that gives you good solid 80 minutes of hard running. You then, progress the workout by increasing that third 20 minutes, the pace of that, and then backing off back to your marathon, half marathon pace. So you can create clearance on the fly, because that's a really important thing that we have to be able to do in the marathon or even half marathon, depending on the hills and the course, a pace injection. If you're at a competitive level, you have to be able to clear on the fly. And so a lot of that work is about creating a situation where clearance needs to be manifested, but very tolerable. And then being able to like teach the body so the body can learn how to do that on the fly. For 10K runners, I really like broken threshold or broken tempo runs as people call them. 
you know, just repeat miles with 90, 60 seconds rest. And it's always 90, 60, 90 to 60 seconds of rest between the repeat miles, but we change the um, constitution of the repeat miles of how we advance them. So in order to work the speed side of the repeat miles, as someone gets um, in to improve their speed endurance, specific speed endurance for that, the last, we try to advance the last 400 in each rep. Mm. So we say, run that last 400. So let's say we're running at what we decide your, you know, your threshold or whatever for the first 1200. We then try to advance the last 12 or 400. So run the last quarter faster, run the last quarter faster. When we get to a place where that has been maxed out, then it's like, all right, run the last 600 or 800 faster. Right? So we extend the speed they're running that threshold at, but by starting at the end of the rep and working backwards. And so then eventually, right, you extend the, the ideal place is you extend the speed for the whole mile throughout this progression, but starting with the smallest possible interval and increment and doing it that way. I like it. Sounds reasonable to me. Logical yeah. and reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense, I guess. Maybe, maybe in our own world. So I'll tell you what, you tell us listeners, if it makes sense, what are your favorite speed endurance sessions? How do you look at it? Let us know. And if you haven't, as you can tell, John and I are excited about what's going on in the scholar program. I know you hear it all the time, but check it out. Just give it a try. You know, if right. you don't and like if you're it, a scholar, you can, we can continue the dialogue in the clubhouse, which we've done with multiple podcasts. So shoot right. us in the question and answer channel Hey, I had questions on this podcast. Can you go into more detail about this? Can we expand this or ask other scholars what their input is? And then the great thing is you get more perspective than just Steve and I. And honest to God, Steve, you know what? I just learned a lot. Every day I go on there, I go, huh, I've never thought about doing it like that. And they're doing it like that and succeeding. Hats That's off to my our, our peers and colleagues in the Very program. true. The more knowledge you get, the more people you get who can spread that. So join in, be a part of it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep up coaching.